When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Welcome to the all-new True Crime Never Sleeps podcast with your host, Larry Lease. Join us every week this season as we dive into the life and crimes of serial killers. From the butcher baker, Robert Hansen, to the Golden State Killer, Joseph D'Angelo. True Crime Never Sleeps, we cover the Axemen of New Orleans, one of the strangest serial killer cases I've ever read. This guy had a flair for the dramatic. I think you all will enjoy it. Starting in 1918, over a period of roughly 18 months, the city of New Orleans and surrounding areas were rocked by the serial killer that would later go on to be by the name the Axemen of New Orleans. 
The Axeman was the manifestation of the Boogeyman, lurking in the shadows of New Orleans, almost exclusively attacking at night, and possibly responsible for 12 attacks and 6 killings in chilling fashion. He only seemed to strike people while they slept in their beds. I gotta say, I love this right off the bat. I love it when serial killers have a fun little thing. I don't approve of them, but I think if you're going to kill a bunch of people, might as well have some fun with it. He never used his own tools. He only used what he could find on hand in the victim's households, usually an axe which was typically left behind at the scene of the crime. Everybody had an axe back in the day. You know, my biggest takeaway from this case is, why not just throw your axes away? It's literally the first thing I would do. On May 23rd, 1918, at 4901 Magnolia Street, a suspected axeman attack occurred. Catherine and Joseph Maggio were struck violently by an axe. A straight razor was used on their throats. Catherine had almost entirely been decapitated, and Joseph had suffered many severe injuries. The bodies were discovered by Joseph's brothers, who lived in the same house. Nothing was heard or seen, and no valuables were taken. The bottom panel of the kitchen door was knocked out. All that was found was an axe. So he probably went back here to the back door. That's usually how he did it. Assuming the only people who saw him were the ones who were killed. Some of them survived, and they would just report like a large looming figure. Like a dark figure. So he really did become kind of like a boogeyman. New Orleans fingerprinting was around at the time, but was not yet a standard procedure. Literally over a month later, on June 28, 1918, another attack occurred. A severely injured Louis Bessemer discovered by a baker named John Zenka while making morning deliveries. That's sad for a baker. They actually thought he did it. They thought the baker did it. That's why if I ever found a dead body, I don't know if I'd call it in. Or if I did, I'd call it in anonymously. I would not want any part of it because that's the first person they look at. Louis would actually survive the attack. And Anna would survive for another seven weeks. Before dying, Anna supposedly recounted to the police that a large white man with a hatchet had attacked them. The bottom panel of their bedroom door was missing, and once again a bloody axe was left at the scene. Roughly a month later, on August 5th, 1918, in an undisclosed home location, Miss Ed Schneider was found by her husband in the afternoon at their home. Mrs. Schneider was still alive and rushed to Charity Hospital, and would reportedly survive the attack. Upon investigation, it was discovered that their axe was missing from their shed. Mrs. Schneider was also pregnant. I'm happy to report that in the week following the attack, she successfully gave birth. Five days later, on August 10th, 1918, reportedly near Taunty and Gravier Street, eight-year-old Joseph Romano was found by his nieces Pauline and Mary after they heard him struggling. His head was bashed in. The two girls eventually saw the attacker and described him as, quote, Dark, tall, heavy set, wearing a dark suit and a black slouch hat. Around this time, August 1918, a New Orleans newspaper allegedly reco- recounted, quote, Armed men are keeping watch over their sleeping families, while police are seeing to solve the mysteries of the axe attacks. Extra police are being put to work daily. And when looking at the timeline, it apparently worked. For a while, that is. As nearly seven months later, on March 10th, 1919, the Cordoba family was attacked. Rose woke to her husband Charles fighting the axeman, a fight that Charles would lose. 
Rose and their two-year-old daughter, Mary, was also attacked. Rose and Charles would actually survive, but their daughter tragically did not. In typical Axman fashion, the axe used belonged to the family. Five days later, a New Orleans newspaper called Times Picayune received a letter from the apparent Axman. Held March 13, 1919, esteemed mortal, they have never caught me, and they never will. They have never seen me, for I am invisible. Even as the ether which surrounds your earth, I am not a human being, but a spirit, and a foul demon from hottest hell. I am what you Orleanians and your foolish police call the X-Men. He also goes on to insult and threaten the police. Quote, they have been so utterly stupid, so as to amuse not only me, but his satanic majesty. But tell them to beware, let them not try to discover what I am, for it were better that they never were born than for them to incur the wrath of the X-Men. He also goes on to remind the people that he could be worse. Quote, Undoubtedly, you Orleanians think of me as a most horrible murderer, which I am, but I could be much worse if I wanted to. At will, I could select thousands of your best citizens, for I am in close relationship with the angel of death. End quote. However, the most important clause is a specific threat that would terrify the entire New Orleans community. Quote, now, to be exact, at 12.15 o'clock, earthly time, on next Tuesday night, I'm going to pass over New Orleans. In my in infinite mercy, I'm going to make a little proposition to the people. Here it is. I'm very fond of jazz music, and I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared, and whose the jazz band is in full swing. At the time, I have just mentioned, if everyone has a jazz band going, well then, so much the better for the people. One thing is certain, and that is some of those persons who do not jazz it on Tuesday night, if there be any, will get the axe. The Tuesday night mentioned in the letter was March 19, 1919. It is said that the city was truly alive that night, as people blasted jazz music in their homes, and those who did not have a record player poured into local jazz clubs to stay clear of the axeman's wrath. It's worth mentioning that nobody was killed on March 19, 1919, so he kept his word. On August 10, 1919, Steve Boca was badly injured in his home after he awoke to a man next to his bed with an axe. He managed to survive the attack, reportedly staggering to a friend's home, who then called the police. He did not regain his memory, likely due to the blows to the head. Later that month, or in early September, on 2128 2nd Street, 19-year-old Sarah Lawman was reportedly attacked by someone who entered through an open window. When she regained consciousness, she could not recall details of the attack. About two months later, on October 27, 1919, at the corner of South Scott, the suspected Axman attacked Esther and Mike Pepitone. Esther reportedly awoke around 1 a.m. to her husband screaming and ran to the bedroom. Her husband's head was struck 18 times and died two hours later. Esther saw two figures in the bedroom but could not identify them as they fled the scene. By the way, two figures. And now on to the theories of what, who the X-Men could have been and what happened. The first theory is that perhaps not all the killings were the work of the X-Men. Some speculate that the X-Men's presumed final killing of Mike Pepitone was actually a mafia killing, due to Pepitone's father killing a man in the past. Another X-Men attack that is scrutinized as the second attack on Louis Bessemer 
and Anna Lowe. If you'll recall, Louis Bessemer was severely injured, and his partner Anna was killed in the same attack. However, Bessemer was charged with the murder of Anna in bizarre fashion. Police found that Bessemer had written letters back and forth in Yiddish and Russian. They eventually came to the conclusion that Bessemer was part of a German spy ring or spy master for the Kaiser, and the attack had nothing to do with the Axemen. Before dying, Anna allegedly blamed her partner, Louis Bessemer, and said that he was a Nazi spy. They also theorized that this case was a domestic dispute that ended with Louis attacking Anna. Nonetheless, Lewis was acquitted. There were definitely things that suggested that this was the work of the Axemen, mainly the fact that it happened at home at night while they were sleeping with an axe. The second theory, which is odd and strange, is that given the context of his bizarre letter, some believe that the Axemen to be a supernatural figure that could slip through tiny entranceways and become the large man that witnesses describe the killer to be. Okay, it's not really a theory that probably will pan out. The last theory is actually a legitimate suspect. A, na- a man named Joseph Mumphrey. To start on Mumphrey, let's return to the Axeman's last crime, the attack on Esther and Mike Pepitone. If you will recall, Esther survived the attack, and her husband did not. Esther later moved to Los Angeles and remarried to a man named Angelo Albano. However, on the second anniversary of her former husband Mike's death by the Axeman, her current husband, Angelo, disappeared and was never found again. Esther recalled that before the marriage, Angelo had ended business relations with a man who went by many names, including Joseph Mumphrey. On December 5, 1921, Mumphrey visited Esther's home at 5554 East 36th Street in L.A. He demanded $500 in Esther's jewelry, threatening that he would, quote, kill her the same way he had killed her husband, End quote. But like a badass, Esther then killed him with a revolver. Thank you for listening to another episode of the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. Send us your thoughts on this case by visiting us on Twitter at True Crime NS, or look for us on Facebook at True Crime Never Sleeps, or send us a voice message at 682-305-0483 and be featured on an upcoming episode. Thank you for listening. And have a great week. Thank you for listening to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. Follow us on Twitter at True Crime NS. Like us on Facebook at True Crime Never Sleeps. Tune in next week for an all new episode. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.